0: Go to bluehost.com slash wonder
1: From the newsroom of The Washington Post. Hi, good afternoon. This is Tolu Oloranipa with The Washington Post. Hi, this is Amy Britton calling from The Post. This is Peter Jamison from The Washington Post. This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, January 18th, MLK Day. Today, A hundred years after the Tulsa massacre, Black business owners are fighting for their place in the future of a changing city.
2: Okay, Um, so Tracy, tell me who you are and what you do for The Post.
3: My name is Tracy Jan, and I write about race and the economy at The Washington Post.
1: Post Reports producer Jordan-Marie Smith spoke with Tracy to talk about her recent reporting in the Greenwood district of Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's an area that used to be known as Black Wall Street. The reason why I was there was because I'm working on a series
3: of stories about reparations. And this would be the very key one about what happened to the victims of the Tulsa massacre. People whose homes, lives, livelihoods were destroyed in 1921 by a white mob basically envious of their economic success.
1: There has never been restitution from the city of Tulsa to repay the victims or descendants of the Tulsa massacre for the wealth that was destroyed there. In fact, there have been very few examples of reparations in the U.S. to right historical wrongs. And there have been growing calls for reparations for slavery and for other events that systematically destroyed Black wealth in America.
3: I wanted to bring that destruction up to present day. Like, what does it mean for Black Tulsans today? Coming out to the city gates of Tulsa, Oklahoma. This city of skyscrapers.
4: this city of ballparks. this city of banks This city of schools, of libraries, of churches, and this city of murderers.
3: I connected with Reverend Robert Turner. He pastors the Vernon AME Church, which is in historic Greenwood. It's right north of the commercial district. And he actually has been, for the last two years, doing a reparations march down to City Hall and back to his church, demanding reparations for descendants and surviving victims of the massacre. This
4: city is the site of the worst act of domestic violence in our nation's history since the civil war.
3: He actually took me around historic Greenwood to see the remnants of the destruction.
4: All this we're going to cross on Archer was considered a part
3: of the Greenwood district. And it this, really was a- this was the end, of it, yes. technically? Yes, okay. And when I say remnants, it's basically like nothing. And all of
4: this had plaques on it, Miss Tracy. And now because they put this one of the field thing,
3: all the plaques are gone. There's plaques that are embedded in the sidewalks that pay homage to a shoe shop, a theater, a hotel. And not only were these plaques basically all that remains, there were actually plaques that are missing. Um, You see little rectangular dents in the sidewalk where plaques had once been, but they were removed during the redevelopment that's occurred in recent decades.
4: There were plaques all on that side of the street. But when they start building those skyrise things, Plex disappeared.
3: What's this going to be?
4: Apartments, expensive apartments.
3: Not black-owned. Oh no! Oh, definitely. Not.
4: Right.
3: Historic Greenwood actually stretches thirty-five plus blocks, and people mistakenly think of Black Wall Street as like an actual street, Greenwood Avenue, but businesses were proliferating there all over. The district. It wasn't just one block. It wasn't just one street. It was all over that area. But today, there are um, probably about 32 Black-owned businesses on that block. But one of the problems that business owners are telling me is that it's one thing to own a business, but they want to have equity. They want to buy into the land. They want their land back.
4: Nothing you see over here is Black-owned. Vast bank, not Black-owned. None of those are Black-owned. None of the that hotel. None of this stuff. It's owned by people who look like the original inhabitants of Greenwood. So you have, basically, the largest landowner in Greenwood is the city of Tulsa. The same city that was complicit and a conspirator in the worst race massacre in American history.
2: Walk me through what happened in Tulsa in 1921.
3: So before 1921, Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma was a thriving Black commercial district. The massacre that occurred on Black Wall Street and the destruction of all the homes and businesses there was partly driven by economic resentment on the part of whites. And that sort of sentiment was occurring in uh, cities across America. There were dozens of Black communities all across America in which Black people were killed, their businesses destroyed, um, people lynched, homes burned. And the Tulsa Race Massacre was one of the, the worst. The spark that really set off this white mob to descend upon Greenwood and just start gunning down Black people and torching their homes and pillaging their businesses was this false inflammatory report by the white-owned Tulsa Tribune in which they said that a black shoe shiner, this 19-year-old kid, had sexually assaulted a 17-year-old white female elevator operator. That did not happen. There were calls for his lynching. And in the end, between 100 and 300 people were killed. The majority of them were black. Scores more lost their businesses. And basically all of Tulsa's Black community, nearly 10,000 people, were left homeless. They were forced into internment centers under armed guard where they had to remain until a white person came and vouched for them. And um, no white Tulsan was ever prosecuted for the crimes, which is why 100 years later, there's still this demand for restitution. Not only were they not prosecuted for the crimes, the white-owned newspaper again, ran more inflammatory racist um, articles and editorials, you know, calling Greenwood a cesspool, declaring that it must never be built again. And the city leaders ended up blaming Black Tulsans for all the death and destruction that White Tulsans had caused. And they ultimately revealed that they were planning to purchase these burned properties and move Black residents farther north, farther away from downtown. So the black residents did eventually rebuild Greenwood pretty quickly, but all at their own expense. This is a very conservative estimate, but there were um, lawsuits and insurance records that this commission that the state of Oklahoma put together in the late 1990s, and they came up with nearly $2 million in property damages. This was in 1921 dollars. That would be probably around $29 million in today's dollars. None of the lawsuits or insurance claims that they filed They were never paid for any of that. But all the wealth that was lost, it's not like when you rebuild, you're going to get that back. You're just going to have to start over. And this has implications generations down the line, you know, without this accumulated wealth that people use to help their kids go to college or to buy their first homes. This partly explains the huge racial wealth disparity that's in this country today um, that stems from the institution of slavery. So this just compounds that. Not only did Black Tolson's, um, you know, or descendants of enslaved people, their wealth was wiped out when they did make it.
4: These folks on Greenwood epitomized the American dream. They turned that into the most prosperous place of Black people in the country. At, at a time when it was against the law for them to even know how to read or write, they opened up law practices. They had doctors' offices, and how did this country repay that American capitalism? They destroyed it.
2: So, who are the business owners of Tulsa's Greenwood District today?
3: A lot of the business owners are mom and pop stores. Some of the longtime business owners are like there's a longtime barber shop. There's a longtime hair salon across the street from the barber shop, and these two entities rent from the Greenwood Chamber of Commerce, which is black run. Some of them say that, look, their rents are rising because property values around them are increasing with all this development. And they're afraid they're going to be pushed out. There have been a couple of businesses like a haberdashery. They sold all sorts of men's hats. There was a mini mart that no longer are there. There are new black business owners that have recently opened up over the last year. You know, there's a new t-shirt slash souvenir shop. There's another hair salon that just opened up this summer, and they are Black-owned businesses. But the question is how long they'll be able to remain in the future. These are very small operations.
2: With all of these Black business owners in the Greenwood District, what are they facing now? Like, What kind of difficulties are Black business
3: owners dealing with? The primary difficulty is that they don't feel like they have a stake in their future in the terms of ownership. They don't own the land, and so some of them are operating on really short-term leases—six-month, one-year leases—which makes it really hard for them to make a long-term business plan. And it's a very real fear that their rents will increase as um, development occurs all around them. One woman's rent had already jumped—you um, know, more than double. She's been able to negotiate it down, but she's at the mercy of her landlords. So, the question that they're facing, and it's a big dilemma, is do they stay and plant their flag on Black Wall Street, or are they going to be pushed out? I'm start. Okay, the recording is started. So, if you could
5: please introduce yourself. I'm, I'm, my name is Guy Troop. I'm the owner of the Black Wall Street Liquid Lounge with my wife, Yvette, and our business partner, Dwight Eaton. You spell my name?
3: So, I spent a lot of time with an entrepreneur named Guy Troop. He and his wife Yvette came back to Tulsa. They're both from Tulsa. They'd been living in Texas. And he came back specifically to open a coffee shop in hopes that he would help resurrect Black Wall Street.
5: I hearken back to what I was told when I was raised and what what I knew about from my parents and grandparents and said, Hey, I wanna I wanna do something, but historical Black Wall Street is dead, it's gone, it's not here. But uh, it can be revived. And so the idea was the, was the main thing.
3: And yeah. I spent a significant amount of time with him and um, the patrons of his coffee shop, many of whom are other black entrepreneurs.
5: There was no, there was no real opportunity to, to have a business on Greenwood other than this block and this block was on Greenwood. That's all, that's all we have in Tulsa.
3: Guy Troop, you know, even though he's been living in um, Texas until he returned to Greenwood recently, he's come back regularly over the last 15 years, he says. And Talks with the Development Authority, checks on the parcels of land that are available. He's tried to partner with other developers and none of them bit. You know, he couldn't get any land that he thought was affordable to him. And the developers, he said, would rather... Have him be a tenant, then to partner with him and give him an equity stake. So it's not for lack of trying.
2: What are the stakes for black businesses in Greenwood if support financial support doesn't come about for these businesses, What are the stakes here?
3: So people think, oh, Black Wall Street was a hundred years ago, and you know, it was so long ago. Why do we have to pay reparations? But we have to understand that the destruction of Greenwood did not just occur once. It, ha- it keeps happening. So in the 60s and 70s, under these urban renewal policies that were federally funded, um, what people call often urban removal, once again, businesses and homes were destroyed in large part to make way for this interstate that just comes right through what was once the business center of Greenwood. and And today, The land that's south of the freeway, the land that is where, you know, deep greenwood used to be is more valuable. That's where the white developers are trying to compete for these contracts to build loft apartments and fancy restaurants, banks, whereas the land that's right north of it, it's just not that valuable because it's farther away from downtown. And those are the parcels that Black entrepreneurs feel like are being kind of potentially thrown their way, they're going to get anything at all.
2: Did they talk to you at all about
3: what they see as the solution? There's a big range of what people want. So there's a big push for reparations, but that means different things to different people. I did talk to one Black business owner who is a Trump-supporting Republican And he just thinks it's time to move on past the past. Like he wants folks to get over the events of the past and focus on the future. So he's not pushing for reparations. He doesn't really think it's productive to talk about race. But at the same time, he owns a business on Black Wall Street and he's trying to save his money so he could buy land somewhere else outside of Greenwood. So that's pretty telling. Then there are other um, business leaders like Guy Troop who feel that an economic stimulus package would be more practical. I mean, some people would call that reparations, but he says that's more of a, um, it's an easier political sell.
5: So Tulsa or the state of Oklahoma could easily rectify this by creating a criteria for grants and land to people so that the atrocities of the past can be addressed.
3: And what he means by that is all this land, I mean, the land in the downtown area of Greenwood is basically, it's gone. It's sold. Black people aren't going to own it. But there are a few parcels that are right north of the interstate that's currently controlled by the city, by the Tulsa Development Authority, and they have plans to sell it. And to, to the city's credit, they recognize difficulty of Black entrepreneurs to develop land So they plan to break it up into smaller parcels that they hope will be more accessible to black business owners like Guy Troop. But Guy's point is we don't want to just pay, you know, a ton of money for this land that historically belonged to our ancestors. He wants the land to either be granted or to be offered at very low interest rates so that black business owners could have a literal stake in um, Greenwood again.
2: So, How are city officials responding to this idea of reparations?
3: So there is a lawsuit that actually uh, happened in September by a few descendants. And the city, as well as Development Authority and other defendants in the lawsuit, have basically, they've legally responded with motions to dismiss. So needless to say, they're not keen on the idea of reparations. You know, the mayor of Tulsa says he doesn't believe that this current generation of Tulsans should be financially punished for what he outright calls illegal acts of criminals. He's thinking like this was a century ago, but he does say we should address modern day issues of disparity within Tulsa, but not just Tulsa, but in general, governments are afraid of setting precedent They don't want to grant reparations because they're afraid it'll open them up to all sorts of um, other claims um, in which government has been complicit in the robbing of Black wealth. So the city completely recognizes this dilemma. And, you know, to their credit, they say they are trying to create opportunities for Black entrepreneurs to profit from Greenwood's growing national profile. So there are several things they're doing. They have different programs, you know, to help increase Black entrepreneurship but the issue here is beyond you know black people owning businesses again it's the land ownership that really plays a key role in in the accumulation or creation and accumulation of wealth that you could pass on to to your kids so they're doing several things they tell me that they're thinking about requiring some some building owners to pass the financial incentives the city is giving them some of these tax incentives onto their tenants through reduced rent so that way it could kind of control to keep rents affordable even as um, the market rates increase in the future
4: so reconciliation is great but reconciliation only comes after reparations you cannot have reconciliation without
5: reparations
2: what do Black Tulsans have to say about this form of reparations or, or any form of reparations?
5: The, the word reparations, Dr. Turner, I, you know, I really uh, admire people that will fight for things. Uh, I just know this town is so wired with racism that I would much prefer to just not call it reparations. Right. Just, just stimulate the economy. I'm, I believe land is one of the most important things to success in business.
3: The Guide Troop's focus is really on reclaiming land for Black Tulsans. Um, he doesn't care what you call it. He wants land in order for Black businesses to grow and to um, resurrect this once thriving commercial district.
5: I'm here on Greenwood because I know we need, we need this land. It's necessary in the narrative. You took it, you destroyed it, and so we have to get some of it back.
1: Jordan Marie Smith is a producer for Post Reports. Tracy Jan reports on race and the economy. You can find Tracy's full report on Tulsa's Black entrepreneurs online now. We'll put a link in our show notes and at postreports.com. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. In case you missed it, on last Friday's episode of Post Reports, we went in deep on the January 6th attack on the US Capitol. With firsthand accounts from our journalists, from members of Congress and from police, we reconstructed the events of that day and answered some big questions about how it happened, why it happened and what might happen in the future. If you have not yet heard it, definitely go back and take a listen. That episode from Friday is called Four Hours of Insurrection, and you can find a link in today's show notes and at PostReports.com. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away.